Hello, welcome back to Let's Talk Nudity. My name is Danis, your podcast host. In this week's episode, I brought in a special guest who is a PhD student in chemistry. Her name is Giselle Castano. She is an incredibly intelligent human being. And I met her recently and instantly we had incredible conversations and very interesting conversations about psychology and personality and how when things happen to you or for you really shape how you react to everything else in your life later on. In this week's episode, we talk about a very delicate topic, which is grief and it's something that I haven't really spoken about in, my, in this podcast show as much, but I wanted to, and I think it's such an important topic to bring up, especially when it deals with self-empowerment, self-growth. Sometimes you have to come and really face the things that have brought you pain in your life and really make them part of who you are, right? In, in a very light and positive way. So we discuss a little bit about that and just the way that she's able to analyze her emotions and just really understand the psychology of her mind, of her brain, and be able to really see how you can improve your habits on a daily basis to be able to see your past in different ways. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode and please let me know what you think. But yes, I'm so excited. Thanks for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. So, Desai, I know we just recently met, but right away from our first conversation, I was like, I definitely want to have a conversation with her. I don't know what it is, but sometimes, like, me becoming, like, a little bit more insightful and, like, emotions and psychology and just everything in between, like, self-help, I, like, notice when people are, like, in that same not not level but like era of like you know being insightful reading books and all this stuff so it's it's so nice to like meet you and and know that you're there too thank you I definitely agree I think that there's a certain like resonance that you pick up on especially like just by the way that someone carries themselves by the things that they choose to talk about um, the things that they focus on the things that they do um, and I definitely agree. I picked up on that with you too, which is why I was like so excited to mm -hmm. give this a try. Oh my God. Yeah. So I remember I used to be that girl that would keep everything private. So I would have my friends and then like my life separate. I don't know if that makes sense. So I would have my friends, but I would never speak to my friends about how I, f how I'm feeling, what I'm going through, what's happening with my family life, whatever. And then not until I opened up and like really freely started talking to my friends about just everything was I able to find my friends that also talk about that. And then I just feel like so free whenever I do talk to people. And if you don't, you know, align with what I'm saying, then it's okay. Like you, you go on with your life. But it's like I realized that the only way to align with people is to really just show your true self and then you'll find people that align with you, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that my experience with that has been really similar. Um, for example, I moved a lot when I was younger. Um, so I didn't really have like a, um, like a fixed home point. For example, I moved around like three or four times within 
like kindergarten to sixth grade here like, in south florida within new jersey oh okay, okay so i started kind of like developing a sense of uh impermanence like you know like expecting almost to like not really have those friends for long mm-hmm. um and that in itself paired with like um the fact that my mom passed away when i was young um kind of like fed into each other like that sense of impermanence with people like you know like people in, are here sometimes only for like a season and mm-hmm. not a lifetime um and regardless i think you know there's that sense of like we're not here forever regardless um and so it was hard for me to feel like the friends i was making were going to be a long-term investment and so just like you i didn't really share a lot of myself with others um at least not until i felt like i was in one spot like for a while and that didn't come to happen until i moved to miami I still kind of had that expectation at the beginning. That I'm sorry, when did you move to Miami? In sixth grade. Sixth grade, okay. Yeah. I moved here because my dad had a business. Um, he, I mean, he had a business in New Jersey as well, but he had like a, a salsa club business down Oh my here, God. Which has since been sold and then closed, so it doesn't exist anymore. But uh, when I moved here, you know, I came from that like, streamline of experiences that like one like people aren't here forever and then also um you know i'm subject to like a disruption at any point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so i think that with my friendships i always approached it with that sense of like detachment um which is is not necessarily a bad thing i think that like a certain level of detachment is healthy but i think when it comes from that like um inner fear of like you know like uh like what's the point or something yeah like i don't want to go through the pain of like feeling like i lost them kind of thing um that was keeping me from forming deeper connections um and so oddly enough like It ended up happening over time, just organically. I think it happens like as we mature and start taking more interest um, in ourselves and our relationships. Um, And that started happening a lot more easily in high school because I think that's when like people start um, being in their first relationships, things like that. So for example, my first best friendship, I would say was founded upon uh like boy troubles that that she mm-hmm. was going through so uh, my best friend from high school who is still my best friend um she and i got brought close together because of like this breakup that she was going through and i was able to be there for her as a listening ear um and that brought us like really close so i think like her taking that like initiative to like be vulnerable and be like I'm hurting and I'm going through this loss kind of like made me see like oh like that person's someone safe to open up to because they're opening up to me and um, they value like that sense of like mutual benefit that mm-hmm. we were giving each other um, so I would say that that's like 
when my friendships started like evolving mm-hmm. um, and then f- even more in college I actually ended up jo- joining a sorority and <laughs> you I can't imagine yeah. <laughs> yep um, it was just like peer pressure honestly I went to this um, like orientation mm-hmm. at the university and I met some girls that were in a sorority and mm-hmm. they were like not not what I thought sorority girls were like like in a good way in a good way that's awesome yeah. and I feel sad to have even had a stigma to begin with mm-hmm. uh, because I found that um, I was able to develop like really intimate friendships with those people and I'm still friends with them to this day um, I feel like that's the point of sororities because even yeah. though we have stigma of, of like they're like you know a certain type of girl uh-huh. you know there are groups of people that come in and their sororities and it's it's literally to make friends and mm-hmm. to connect yeah. and that happened to my roommate in college she actually met so many great people in her sorority uh-huh. even though she's like not a sorority girl yeah but she's like i want more friends like i want friends like i it's so hard for me to meet so she went on and she found her crew in a sorority and it, it's amazing i was like wow this is great you know yeah. that's awesome i'm not ashamed to have paid for friends <laughs> 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 i um i have this like running joke with them and i'm like i didn't pay enough for you guys you know like i think that um it's funny like to look back on it and like see what my primary motives for joining a sorority were mm-hmm. compared to like what they were for staying um but overall yeah i definitely found friends that became like sisters and that's always been really valuable to me because my relationship with my own sisters is super close mm-hmm. um that's beautiful and s- yeah and so i think that like just having more of a sense of that commu- community was like really important to me I think that that's something that often goes um, like unnoticed Mm -hmm. um, like the importance of having that Um, so yeah I would say that throughout like the experience of moving a lot throughout throughout my life it made it hard to feel like friendships were something that was here to stay so I definitely get what you mean by like how when you start um, cultivating like a deeper relationship with yourself that starts being reflected outside of you 100% yeah and when you say about community it's so important where I recently just learned this too actually like a couple years ago where I thought all I my goal was to always just be extremely independent Mm. and always serving others and that's a beautiful concept to have but I didn't realize that part of self-love is also allowing to receive and allowing to create a community of like, I'll support you, you support me. And it's not like a transaction. It's more, it, it's more humanized, you know, and it's like whenever you need help, here it is or whatever. And then when I realized that I needed to allow for that, I found myself to feel even more powerful because it was like, it's like, wow, I can allow you know other people to like you know to give me stuff or like give me time and I never allowed that before and it was right when I started you know shifting that is when first of all my relationship got so much healthier because I allowed so much more love 
to come instead of just like giving out and it's just beautiful i think a community is is so powerful so that's awesome you were able to find that yeah i always find that so interesting right like how sometimes or oftentimes even the most giving people uh tend to struggle most with receiving and i wonder if it's because there's a certain sense of control and like familiar familiarity with that role Interesting. so i would say like within like my family dynamic um that's very much true and kind of like where it stems from like uh you get almost like molded to um be a certain way and not only just like be a certain way but be a certain way towards others mm -hmm. it's like um a dynamic that gets like co-created so like for you to be so giving i think it usually takes having people around you that like need a lot or like need a lot of you especially um and i would say that like f um in my experience that's been very true but i think it's also worthwhile to mention like how lonely that can be because um you know you hold it together for everyone but who gets to do that for you and honestly being the person that holds it together for others and like harmonizes and puts like peace to issues um takes a lot and then uh especially takes a lot from like the capacity to do that for yourself and so if that goes like unchecked you know like you end up kind of um wasted away mm -hmm. and like you can't really serve others from like an empty blood vessel you know what i mean so you have to like i think that a big part of maturing is exploring those needs like what are my needs um for me i got very used to like not having any or well not voicing any because i definitely had and i think we all do i just mm -hmm. think some of us are more comfortable with like voicing them and some of us are less comfortable in my experience i'm less comfortable with that because my needs were either like dismissed or like neglected or came kind of like secondary to like what i felt others needs were mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that that's worthwhile to mention as well do you i know before we started recording we were talking about how you suppressed a lot of like things that happened in your past and about your mom and you you're very insightful with your emotions and everything did something happen where you're like i actually need to start listening to my body or was it more like a progression of i guess maturity hmm i think that's a very in interesting question because like there was definitely something that happened but that something was like over and over like many things i think that <coughs> I would almost call it like a pattern of experiences. Mm -hmm. Like throughout my life I feel like I've often felt like I've been dealt difficult cards. Um 
and it's easy to fall into like a victim mindset when that happens right like it's um it almost comes from like um from that place of suffering i would say like you almost wonder like why me like why again mm -hmm. um and so like those experiences are very easy to see that way but i've come to realize that they've all happened for like a greater purpose and that greater purpose very much feels like it was to um like make me feel the layers that there are to healing a certain experience that I've been either distracted from or kind of like uh, avoiding to feel. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, um, yeah, definitely experiences throughout my life have happened that make me feel that like the loss of my mom on a deeper level. I, I would say it's like a wound that you carry for like a lifetime. Yeah. And of course, like, I want to alchemize that and, you know, turn the pain into, like, something beautiful, something helpful, mm -hmm. not only to myself, but to others. Um, I think that the first shock or, like, whiplash that I got was very soon after my mom passed away. Um, I, she passed away when I was five, almost six. I was, like, two months away from turning six years old. Mm. And the day before my birthday, um, I remember it because I wanted to celebrate my birthday, but it was actually like a little overshadowed by what happened. Um, and it turns out like, even though my mom had passed away, like I had a stepmom and a step grandma like moving in to our home that day. Like, wow. so my dad moved on really fast. And like, it's, interesting to use that language even because I say moved on but like emotionally he was still very much um, grieving that or is supposed to be grieving mm -hmm. that I would say um, but I think he was um, his uh, explanation for it is like that he didn't want us to grow up without a mom and I think that honestly that, that there's truth to that like, I think my dad is someone who, um, like, really um, looks to, like, that feminine energy and that feminine help in his life. Um, like, and I think he, like, sensed that we needed that, you know, like, mm -hmm. that that would have been, would have been something that, like, uh, would have been a huge void for us. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like... Um, it was conflicting, right? Because through my lens at the time, I was like, well, you know, what about mom? You know, like, am I the only one who's remembering that that just happened? Um, and I think, like, I would say that my relationship with grief, like, very much started then, like, early in my life. Um, and so I was... Um, disrupted by that uh, because a lot of my family like was definitely um, 
still struggling with my mom's death. Like, any family gathering that we had, like, she would get brought up as, like, this beautiful, like, memory of a person, and uh, they would, like, speak really grandiose things about her. So, like, her memory and the way that she was cherished, it, it was a very positive thing. Like, I think that that helped, but what I found didn't help was how people like held space for me. I think that that lacked. I think that because I was so young, people assumed a lot for me. So they would like look at me and be like, oh, you know, you're young, you don't remember, right? Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they would always ask me if I dreamt of her. Um, and I wanted so badly to say, yes, I did, but it was really hard for me to like access like a dream about her. And I would like, <laughs> I remember being younger and actively like trying to go to sleep to like dream about her so that I could talk about it with my family. Um, but because I felt like I was forcing and pressuring myself too much to mm -hmm. do so, um, it was like blocking it. And I felt like, you know, in my mind at the time, I felt like that was the only way that I could comfortably like bring up wanting to talk about her. But I always craved that and I unfortunately lacked it because it's very much how like um, the thing goes. Like when someone has a new partner in their life, you don't really mention their old partner that much. And so I think that that kind of blocked or like stifled the communication about that grief mm -hmm. as well. Um, and I think like overall grief in itself can be described as like anything in your life that disrupts your sense of self or your sense of certainty. And so a lot of things like at the time felt uncertain and it felt like um, it was hard to like navigate knowing who I would be without the guidance of my mom mm -hmm. because she was someone that was really present and attentive with me uh, whereas like when I searched for that within my dad I couldn't find it mm -hmm. and so I think like these figures in my life have uh felt like blockages or like roadblocks almost mm -hmm. to my efforts of connecting outside of myself. And so that kind of forced me to go inward um, and seeking a connection within me. And so that's why I definitely started taking so much interest in psychology. Like, you remember Tumblr? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were so many things in Tumblr that just like, kind of felt like a private diary. Like so many mm -hmm. things that were written out there that were just really like uh, able to speak to me on an emotional level. I feel like our generation of people also um, has a lot of deep feelers. Mm -hmm. um, and it's evident that I'm one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that that was like uh, a sort of like a venue through which I was able to like begin, um, oddly enough, like exploring new thoughts, new perspectives, learning. Mm -hmm. I've always mm -hmm. been uh, very much like a student 
like a good student though mm-hmm. um, and so anything that intrigues me I love to research it so I get into these hyper focuses and whatever I enjoy I like to uh, explore deeply whether it's a hobby whether it's um, a topic or anything um, and so I started like reading more about those kinds of things and I um, began to process it more like on an intellectual level but then you know there's still the aspect of like feeling your pain right like not just being able to put it to words those are two different things so different Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I think that um that's why sometimes like talk therapy is not enough for people I think that I mean from what I've read and even from what I've experienced like people who have endured a lot of trauma in their life they struggle to feel like they make significant progress just by talking about something Um, and so that's why I've found so much interest in somatic healing Hmm. uh, which is like breath work Um, just like that mind-body connection Um, and meditation is something actually that's always come pretty easily to me ironically because I have like ADD you would think that my mind wandering like stresses me out but it's actually like a place where I feel comfortable because there's a privacy to it Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's like an important um, aspect of who I am because of how like um, the moving on from like my mom's death went like because I didn't really like get to like talk about it a lot Mm -hmm. Um, I became a lot more comfortable in that sense of like independence or like kind of like carrying my own weight Um, another aspect that I think is worthwhile to mention is um, how when your family experiences a loss it's really um, difficult to navigate like paying attention to your pain while very vividly like feeling how the people around you are also hurting And so I always have, uh, I I got used to giving priority to like, like the grief that my dad was showing, but not talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or the one that my sister had because, you know, she was seven months when my mom passed away. Um, And so- I'm so sorry about that. Thank you. it was tough especially having her be so young uh, because another aspect of like how things uh, came to be is the story I would say is my family always wanted me to be like the one that protected the baby you know and even though I was very much still a child I was the older one Um, and I was always and naturally like nurturing so it's 
it's so interesting to think about like the qualities that you have and offer not only your family unit but just like the people around you like I find that that's my role or like that's something that I enjoy being able to show in my personal relationships mm -hmm. too yeah. like with my friends um, I like making sure that they feel cared for you're uh, a caretaker yeah right away literally I identified <laughs> that I knew you're a caretaker yeah yeah I love taking care um, of like plants I love taking care <laughs> of uh, what else it's just my own health like I have a like a daily routine that I try to like upkeep for my sanity it's interesting because you say that a lot of people when you were young like you know expected you to mm -hmm. be this um, independent and like a caretaker and sometimes when when that happens you're also perceiving that so it's like your memory of like of what you of what other people thought of you you know what I mean and it's like it's that's so you though that literally I see you and it's like you're a, you're naturally a caretaker so it's like from you were little you're like I'm gonna take this role mm-hmm and and it's so beautiful to see that because it's like you cultivated it and you made it work in your life and and you're using it in your life and it's so you and uh, that's beautiful can i tell you though what like um uh, inspires me to keep being that way though the memory of my mom <laughs> because she was that way she was a cancer <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, so she was very motherly. Um, and I think that the absence of that made me want to, like, carry out her legacy in that mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, with my sister, the middle one, and honestly, all three of us, I have two younger sisters um, because when my dad ended up, remarrying he mm -hmm. had another daughter um but yeah with my middle sister especially because we share that loss of our mom um i just naturally always wanted to protect her because i feel like the tone that was set in my family not only by my mom but by everyone my aunts my uncles grandma grandpa like was always like you have to take care of her okay yeah um, and honestly, taking care of your sibling, um, it feels like a big responsibility to be tasked with at such a young age. Um, and I think that, you know, navigating that as the years pass, like you have to start recognizing that like people grow into their own mm -hmm. and they don't need you as much they don't need that care in like the same form um so i think that that's been an interesting part of like growing up as well yeah i think that my sister and i have more of a mutual care for each other now which is amazing i think that i started noticing that when i started opening up more to my family like when i came out of the closet to them um, I always laugh remembering how it went with my middle sister 
because I say that like she pulled me out of the closet. Really? <laughs> yeah. How old were you? I was like 22 when that happened with her. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We were in the car. We were coming home from the gym. And <laughs> she was like, so that girl that stayed over the other night, uh, she your friend? I was like, yeah, she's my friend. She's like, does she like girls? I was like, yeah, she likes girls. She was like, hmm, do you like girls? And I was like, I froze. Oh, my God. Was yeah. she your girlfriend, the girl no, that was sleeping over? Not yet. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, like, talking. And did you know, like, when did you, like, when did it hit you? You were like, oh, my God, wait, I like girls. Like, oh, my God. That's another story. <laughs> Uh, that hit me way before age 22. So that hit me in ninth grade of high school. Although okay. when it did hit me, I realized, oh, I've been known this. Like, I knew since maybe I was, like, in kindergarten. Oh, my like, God. It was grade. like, oh, it makes sense. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I didn't um, really, really like them as a friend. I had a crush on them. Like, mm. I started differentiating, mm -hmm. like, what that was yeah yeah. i mm -hmm. was like oh that's attraction but i think it's hard to pick up on that because like society like makes that weird it makes yeah. it not the norm it is, yeah and so in ninth grade that realization came to me in a dream no yeah <laughs> yeah and i was like super ashamed i was like oh my goodness what was that you know oh wow and it happened with a girl that i had a class with so in said class, she was like openly talking about how she's gay. Wait, wait, wait. What? Did you have a sex dream? Is that what you Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? And then you went to class. I don't know, because you said a dream. I'm like, oh, cool. It's yeah. like, oh, wait, then you went to class. And then <laughs> yeah, I had a spicy dream. So yeah, she was talking about how she's like openly gay, blah, blah, blah. And I was just eavesdropping from across mm -hmm. the room. Um, because she was like talking pretty audibly, like you could hear her from okay. across the room. Mm -hmm. Not that I was like, uh, eavesdropping. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't actually eavesdropping. It was more like, you know, it was just making itself known and mm -hmm. I had ears. <laughs> so because I found that out and because she was like the first like feminine girl that I had seen like talk about that. It felt like, oh, like, you know, I'm gay like that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it felt like, oh, I recognize um, a part of myself mm -hmm. in that. Like, I felt like that visibility was really important for me to come to the realization of it. Because in middle school, I had only ever come across uh, girls that were, like, more um, notably gay, like, like visually. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I definitely don't think people look at me and see that, you know, <laughs> so it was a little bit more of a journey to like figure that out. But yeah, I had a dream. And then, like I said, I felt like, wow, like a little ashamed, you know, like, uh, trying to figure out what that was. Uh, and I freaked out a little bit because there's just that moment of like, like, oh, now people are going to know, like, they're going to catch on to me. Like, you almost panic yeah, because it's yeah. something that, like, you want to step away. Uh, well, at least it was for me um, because I was reluctant to how much would change in mm -hmm. my life. 
Um, and again, like, remember how I said that grief is like a disruptor of your sense of self? Mm-hmm. That sense of self was disrupted <laughs> at the time. Oh, my God. Because I, I was like, oh, my God, everything I thought I knew about myself is not. <laughs> wow. Is not fully it, yeah. right? And so then that sense of, like, self-exploration has to deepen. And I think that throughout your life, like, that's the point, right? You have to get to know yourself better. Um, and I think that the beautiful reward that comes from that is that you can also get to know and love others better, too, through that. Mm-hmm. And I think that the quality of your relationships is really just, like, such a meaningful part to, like, focus on growing in your life. I agree. Um so yeah, back to the whole like when I realized um, I was in ninth grade of high school, so like fourteen, no, yeah, like fifteen, yeah, like, yeah, yeah fourteen, fifteen, around there. Mm-hmm. I was like younger than mm-hmm. most of my class, um, because my uh, birthday's in August, and you know how I moved from New Jersey, and they start, oh, yeah, they yeah. start school in September. Oh, yeah. So when I moved here, you know, people start school here in August. Mm -hmm. So I would have been usually like told to wait another year to Mm -hmm. start school. But I was able to like keep at it. Um, And I was younger than most of my peers. Like that's awesome. I graduated at 17. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was a baby. I I started college at 17. Yeah. Wait, that's incredible. I wish. And I almost skipped fourth grade. So I was like. Yeah, I would have been extra baby. I would have been 16. That's crazy to think back on. Um, when I moved here from Colombia, they put me back a year because really? I didn't know English. So I graduated when I was 19. Oh. I know. I started really late. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> you still got it done. <laughs> but, yeah, so in ninth grade, I realized, but I was actually in the closet for nine years. Like, when I tell you that, you know, coming out to my family happened when I was, like, 22, um, that those are the first people I came out to, my family. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't come out to my friends first, mm-hmm. which is normally, like, this, how the story goes. Like, people tend to come out to their friends first, first yeah. and then their family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always felt like I needed to tell my family first. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's because I value my closeness to them the most. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my sister, um, you know, caught on to me and figured me out while we were, like, on our car ride home from the gym. And she was like, you know, so she likes girls? And I was like, yeah. She's like, do you like girls? And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what do you even do to avoid that she question? She, like, literally put you on the spot. Yeah, she put me <laughs> on the hot seat. And I was driving, so I couldn't <laughs> even get out the car. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I told her uh, that I needed a moment, and I just froze. I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, here goes nothing, right? And so I, was, I stayed so quiet that, honestly, she started filling in the silence. She, like, started talking for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She was so cute. But, again, this goes back to how I was saying, like, even though my relationship or my role 
was to be like her caretaker in many ways, she eventually like started making that felt back. And I think that that has developed our relationship to be like so much more um, expanded, I would say. Yeah. And yeah, because you allowed, I mean, she made you, but like you also, it was like a step towards you being vulnerable. Well, like, I needed to be made. <laughs> That's the point. Like, I'm serious. Yeah, I have, no, I yeah, have yeah. dodged vulnerability throughout my life so much because I think I was hit with such a whammy of it at the beginning of my life. When you I had didn't really, to, yeah. but you, you had no choice. And then it gets to a point in your life where you no longer have to be that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. your sister's old enough to take care of herself. And she showed you through that, like, okay, I like, let me help you out with this. Right. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it really was. It was one of those like coming out stories that like, I wish I would have caught on film or something, mm -hmm. because if I could go back to that moment and relive it, I would. I think coming out to my sister was definitely like top three favorite experiences of Aww. coming out. Yeah, because wow. honestly, she just made it so easy. And then like in filling up the space, she was like, I want you to know that this doesn't change how I see you as a sister. Oh I still look up to you so much. Um, and she said, I'm still so proud to be your sister. And I think she said every single thing I needed to hear. So she knew, like, what I was running from. Mm. And my stepmom, the one who came into my life, um, like, two months after my mom mm -hmm. passed away, she and I grew up to have, like, a really beautiful relationship, too. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And she, as well, picked me out of the closet, too. But she, like, knocked on that door, and I had it shut for years. Was it after your sister? Uh... Honestly, I never formally sat down with her because she knew, like, mm -hmm. all along. Okay. She knew since 11th grade mm -hmm. because they had me see one of her, like, family friends who is, who was, I'm sorry, because she passed away, um, who was a spiritual medium. Um, and so she was, like... I mean, I never experienced the things that people said about her, but supposedly she could channel, like, um, that spiritual realm. And you went to see her, and then what happened? I went to see her thinking that I was doing a career profile. Wow. Yeah. They really fooled me. <laughs> but they, they always knew how to work with me. I was That's so, hilarious. I was so locked up. Oh, my God. Like, emotionally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh. so they had to, like, tell me that it was something that it wasn't mm -hmm. and they in their own manipulative way <laughs> figured out like a solid way for me to um start addressing those things that they were worried about but wait what did this medium say what happened let me tell you so part of it was about like my career interests but it was interesting because she was like like psychic I remember um this was in 11th grade over like summer break that I was in Colombia and she had a big library and I took a lot of interest in like looking through her library and she would like walk up behind me and like say certain things one of the 
things that she said was, do you like reading? And I was like, yeah, I like reading, but about certain things like psychology and things mm -hmm. like that. And then she was like, well, you're going to definitely like reading a lot more throughout your life. You're going to read a lot. And I was like, wow, interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, how do you know that? Because <laughs> here, here I thought she was just like a psychologist, right? But she was like uh, tapped into something um, much beyond that. And so she told me like a few things about myself um, that I didn't know at the time. But I definitely read a lot now. So that has stood to be true. Um, she asked me like to name the top three um, careers that I was interested in. And I remember saying uh, chemical engineering. I remember saying teaching. And I remember saying uh, like clinical psychology. And then she was like, oh, like you're going to do a little bit of all of that. And I was like, cool. <laughs> And then she had me do a few drawings, and that's where she started digging into, like, my sexuality. It was super interesting. Wow. So she had me draw a house on a hill, and she was like, just draw it. Draw it how you see it. And so I drew a house. The windows were closed. The door was shut on it. There was, like, a, a river at the foot of the, the house. Like, the house was on a like a landscape uh, that was like mountainous. Okay. Um, just to give you an idea of how I drew it. Um, but then she started to like analyze my drawing. She's like, okay, so like in the river that you drew, uh, like half the fishes are swimming one direction, half the fishes are swimming the other. And I was like, huh, interesting. I never noticed that. <laughs> but it was true. And so there was like a split there. And then she was like, and your house, the windows are shut, the door is shut. Why is that? I was like, oh, I didn't know I could draw them open. And she was I like, I feel like I would, I wouldn't draw them open either, though. Like, well, here's here's what she said. She was like, the fact that the windows and door are shut means that you are uh, keeping others out. And I was like, oof, you're right. <laughs> and then she said, and the fish like half in one direction, half another. Is there something that you, s that you feel torn about? Something that you feel like only half of it is known? And I was like, mm, yes, my sexuality. Because I knew I had had crushes on boys, uh -huh. but because that secret was eating away at me that I also found women attractive, it was gnawing at me. And it was like, yeah, I'm keeping half of the truth out. Um, and that's honestly what my primary attraction was and still is, you know? So it felt like the majority of it. Hmm. Um, and then she also had me do another drawing where like she had me divide a page in four. Uh, and in one of the like sections of it, uh, she asked me to uh, talk about or like to draw the thing that I hated the most and I was like my response initially was like I can't really think of anything that I hate and you want to know what her response was what? she's like you must hate a lot of things 
And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I was like, wow, okay. I didn't know that, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it also might have just been like to manipulate like mm-hmm. me uh, questioning right, right, right. myself a little yeah. bit. But my response to like what I hated was pretty simple and I think relatable. I said mm-hmm. that I hated cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like, you know, um, a fear of like insects or cockroaches uh, represents like a fear of your sexuality. And I was like, what? what? Here's where I feel like none of that was true. And she was just trying to trying get, get me to get talk you. about Okay, it. that makes yeah. a lot of sense because I'm like, I might... Am I a lesbian? Because <laughs> I feel like I would say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell this story to all my friends, and they're like, damn, we're all gay then. <laughs> we're all gay. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, door shut. Am I hiding no, from people? No, no it's, it's literally just, you know, not, not for nothing, but psychologists are trained to be, like, helpfully manipulative. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that makes they, sense. They're really good at it. They're she was very much able to like bring up the topic mm-hmm. and when she did i again froze i think that all of it like came to be that way for me because uh i kind of got stuck in that freeze response from a young age when it came to talking about how i felt mm-hmm. because like i said like um the grief of my mom passing away was not something that people talked about like with me Mm -hmm. it felt like um it felt like everyone else was allowed to talk about it Mm -hmm. and like for me to bring it up it felt uncomfortable because it felt like I would be resurfacing a wound Mm -hmm. that I knew very clearly affected everyone that I loved and so I almost did it to not only self-preserve but also preserve others Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there's that like tendency in general with people to avoid um, pain just for the sake of you know people feeling at ease and people feeling comfortable but I think that it's in that discomfort that you can grow that's beautiful yeah it's, and it's just so true it, i think i think it really is <clears throat> the only way to grow is to allow and allow to be uncomfortable and let others be uncomfortable because that is the only way that you're gonna f- be able to release it or even like or even just like allow it to be and like let it be there so you can like go on with your life you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And it is so true. People don't like to talk about it. People don't like to talk about pain or grief or anything. Just because, you know, we tend to avoid that. We want to have a good time. You mm-hmm. know, we like people just want to have a good time, especially with other people. It's like, oh, I'm going to be in pain by myself. But when I'm with my friends, I want to make sure that we're all having fun. Right? right. Yeah. I think oftentimes it's like people don't want to burden others. That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. So whenever, like, I feel like when people do talk about it and they're like, why are you burning me? I, I'm not going to burn you with my stuff. And I think society was like that for a really long time. And that's why right now there's a lot of sensitive people because 
for such a long time, it was hidden. And it was like something that people wouldn't talk about. A lot of their pain, a lot of things that were just, you know, not pleasurable to talk about, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. And I think now it's like, well, we're servicing this like era of like, it's okay to mm -hmm. talk. It's okay to be who you are or want to talk about so many different things. There are people out there talking about things, right? And I think that's what you said with Tumblr, like, that's what social media has done. It has, because, mm -hmm. like, right now, let's say, if we didn't have social media, you would only be bound to the people that you're around physically. But with social media, you can actually search people that talk about what you want to listen to or what you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So it helps you people connect. And I think that really helped people, you know, be open up a little bit more. And with Tumblr, you're so right. I remember Tumblr being this, like, safe space. <laughs> yeah, like this place where it was like, I'm going to say funky because I yeah. can't find a word, but it was funky because it was like you never knew what you were going to get when you were like stumbling upon, you know, in Tumblr doing things because people were just talking and, and expressing and doing. It, it's so clear. Like that's that's really how Tumblr was. Mm -hmm. I also think that within the LGBT community, Tumblr was also... <clears throat> a space where people could connect about their coming to terms with their sexuality. Mm -hmm. Like I remember finding a lot of people that w were like Tumblr famous lesbians and things like that. Um, and I remember feeling like, oh, like, you know, they are an example of like the type of relationship that like feels true to me. And I think that because like other media doesn't prioritize showing off those relationships. I mean, now it's grown in a sense, like now there are shows with kids like that are the main character and you yeah. know, the whole storyline yeah. is them coming out. So it's really exciting to see like a sense of progress. And even still, I would say that there's just so much, like a long way to go. Still, 100%, because yeah. when we make one step, sometimes we get knocked back too. Mm -hmm. um, like politically there's a lot of things going on that are just scary mm -hmm. um, uh, and it's really disheartening to see that lack of compassion because I think it's so sad to take the grief that comes with being a member of the LGBT community and making it about you like and your discomfort with it So it's like, if you're not comfortable with your own discomfort, you have a very hard time holding space for others to like share that with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's compassion, is understanding that you might not understand and that's okay, mm -hmm. right? It's okay because you are one person. You are not going to experience what everybody experiences and then be able to fully understand it. Like that's yeah. just impossible. Yeah. So being able to be like, okay, you you live your life the way that you live. I might not agree with it, but to be able to understand that I'll never understand. And then you're doing you and that's it. Like you can't, you know, allow it to affect you. And then not having that, it's like, it's a lack of compassion. It really is. And mm -hmm. allowing yourself to like be compassionate with others, I think it helps you understand yourself as well it always comes back to you like 
if you're hating on someone else like what what's up like what is what are you being triggered like what, what's triggering you mm-hmm. and what's what's wrong in your life right now that's bothering you right yeah and and it's just so true i think i think compassion right now it's such a big thing a lot of big uh people that you know have a lot of influence have a lot of compassion right i I don't i don't know that's what i see right now i think like i'm being drawn to a lot of people that are showing compassion and it's just so beautiful to see because it's something new Mm-hmm. it's so new and that's why I like I love like all these podcasts and being able to open a podcast like this because I'm able to hear so many different stories in so many different ways so many different experiences and allowing space to be creative for others and I'm just here experiencing firsthand I love it this is incredible <laughs> yeah I think I really appreciate what you do because one I think it's very brave to hold space for others through through so many different topics, right? Because like you said, like you might not feel like an expert in many of them or any of them even, but mm-hmm. you at least have that sense of knowing that you like value holding space for others or giving a platform to like amplify people's experiences and like doing so helps Um, connect us more I think Mm -hmm. because like I said grief is one of those things that just goes untalked about and you have no idea how much it means to me for people to like uh, be there in times when I'm you know trying to like nurture the memories that I hold close with my mom like I love when people ask me to talk about her or like the things that I do now to like remember her and like honor her. For example, I was talking with one of my friends the other day about how I realized that like the moment my mom passed away, I felt like as a kid, I started seeking that love that was absent from her everywhere else. Like I couldn't find it. And I think that that was with purpose. I couldn't find anyone like her again because there was only one of her, right? And so I realized that in seeking that, especially like I think I sought it a lot from my dad because my dad was the the person I associated with that sort of role, Mm -hmm. right? But my dad had his own grief and that limited him in showing up for me. And I think that that in itself is wounding because I know deep down that there's a sense of uh, inadequacy that can stem from that, right? Your parent wants to be able to show up for you, but when they fall short, you know, they might respond in uh, troubling ways, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And in ways that actually, like, hurt the connection sometimes more than help it. So that's been a journey in itself. Um, But I think that yeah, I came to that realization that I was seeking a love like hers outside of mine, but kept running into the type that, like, um, I ended up having with my dad, which was rather, like, the opposite, like, more interesting, unava- more unavailable, more, like, dismissive. And so I realized... What do you think that is, though? Uh, honestly, it's attachment issues. Like, I think that, you know, mm-hmm. I had... Um, 
a wound that mm-hmm. has to do with like feeling abandoned right and so like emotionally abandoned and like mm-hmm. I think that that's been something that I've definitely like worked towards um in my own journey um and I realized and this is probably like the most satisfying and like heartwarming aspect of it I've realized that the love that I was seeking like hers actually just exists within me and so I think that that's so beautiful yeah that in itself is like wow like it was that simple Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then again like everything gave its way to make me realize that like sometimes you have to repeat the pattern oh yeah over that's life you see it that's life yeah and it's so funny with what you just said about like it's within me that's Mm -hmm. really what it is it's like everything you go with through and like everything you're seeking you already have Mm -hmm. it's just in a different way in a different feeling but it's Mm -hmm. like it, everything we seek like anything externally any type of relationship it's like first see fulfill it within you and you'll see that you're gonna get the way that you want do you know what I mean yeah I don't know that, if I explained it right yeah definitely I think that that like what you were saying is like it allows you to show up from a real place of strength in your relationships because you know you have that sense of security and that sense of like trust in yourself like it's not to say that you know you have to like be hyper independent and extreme about it like there is a sense of interdependence that always is healthy like you should be able to feel like you can count on others you should be able to um feel like that's not going to ruin your relationships Mm -hmm. or anything like that so it's honestly like a constant like work in progress so you'll like sometimes like get triggered back into that grief Mm -hmm. and sometimes that feels out of control and of course that doesn't feel pleasant Mm -hmm. but there are ways that you can show up for yourself consistently and make a habit out of that and I think that that really like I said builds up your strength it builds up builds up your personal like Mm -hmm. sense of power so that like others don't come and knock it out of you so easily um i love that you said breath work too because that really was like i've oh i studied psychology in college and i've always loved psychology i've always loved to analyze people like talk about emotions talk about i I love that i'm a cancer right (laughs) literally double cancer actually so it's like whatever but i didn't learn to actually experience it and like know how to identify my emotions until literally I started doing breath work and yoga. Wow. Not until there. I have one of my best friends is also a double cancer. Oh my God, interesting. Yeah, they always say that I'm um, a fake Leo. I don't okay. agree. I don't agree. But they say I don't agree either. They huh. they say that I'm uh like the most cancer Leo ever. Which is interesting because hmm. I think that in astrology there's just like this association people have with cancers like being in tune with their emotions mm-hmm. and just having like a lot of them. <laughs> but I think I think other signs don't like 
think about how in reality everyone has emotions yeah and Mm -hmm. the more um you suppress them the more um that'll like rule your life because you're trying to control it that's literally like this is this is you wanting to control i feel like suppressing is like that you know Mm -hmm. it's you wanting to not feel this or like you're not allowing and that's you trying to control have you ever heard of that um quote that says like emotions they're called that way because they are energy in motion emotions energy interesting i mean if you think about it like how do you push down energy like how do you stuff energy away like energy cannot be created or destroyed like you know what i mean it's it's there Mm -hmm. regardless and it's gonna overflow as much as you try to like Mm -hmm. pack it and compartmentalize it it's gonna come up and i think that we run so much from like um feeling it Mm -hmm. that eventually when it does beg to be felt um it feels out of control and then all that energy that you spent trying to control (laughs) was now for nothing it's Mm -hmm. almost like you're working harder Mm -hmm. not smarter Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand that like when you stuff away so many of your feelings, it's kind of like to survive sometimes. And I think that people survive in so many different ways. Like, and I think that investing in people at that level and meeting them where they are is probably like one of the most kind ways that you can go about like loving someone Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day i mean it's not always possible to pull people out of the metaphorical closet you know what i mean like sometimes people need to like be willing to help themselves be willing to like step out Oh, yeah. Of that comfort zone. It's it's on them. It's it's their experience, you know. Mm-hmm. And as much as you want to help, like, you really can't. Like, that yeah. is their life, you know. Yeah. And, like, so I'm actually going to do another episode on my experience with hypnotherapy. Oh, cool. But did I tell you that I no. did? Yes. It was, inter- it was insane. But what I learned through it is that when you sometimes like suppressing it's a survival instinct Mm -hmm. and uh, it's like externally like you feel you can't there's no other option but to suppress like you have to go Mm -hmm. and apparently from my hypnotherapist session that i had i had been suppressing a lot i i'm a suppressor i tend to suppress um but a lot a lot of years i went suppressing a lot of my emotions because I didn't feel like I had an option to not I had to go I had to hustle I had to like move I mm-hmm. I couldn't stop and I, I I'm gonna do another episode on it because it was like to the extent there's so many reasons for that mm-hmm. and finally I reached a level in my life where I don't feel like I'm I need to be on survival mode like I finally allowed to be dependent allowed to have a community and to a to receive right Mm -hmm. so that brought down my suppressing of emotions because i didn't feel like i needed 
to be on survival mode anymore, right? And what happened there is I felt a lot of anxiety. Oh, because yeah. it was literally suppressed anxiety that I was supposed to be feeling years ago that I didn't allow it to be released. So all this time I was like, I was fueled by all of this emotion, right? And just going, 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 going. And finally, when I realized I don't have to keep going, 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 I can finally relax. I relaxed, boom, felt a bunch of anxiety for like a year. And I'm like, where the hell am I getting all this anxiety from? And that's when I, I was like, I want a hypnotherapist. I want to see what's up because like, I don't feel like I have anything to be anxious about. I've never suffered from anxiety, thank God, like, you know, severely or anything. Mm-hmm. I know I don't have a history of that. Why am I feeling anxious? This is a time of my life where nothing is finally wrong. Yeah. What the hell That's am usually I? when it happens. Yeah. And then I was like, I need to understand this more. So when I did the session, um, she told me, she's like, you finally allowed yourself to to feel this all this anxiety that you were supposed to feel a long time ago but it's okay because when you're in survival mode sometimes you don't think you have the option to be out of it Mm. and that's when it hit me obviously like you know it's something i have to work on and i am working on it and it's like i literally my mind i don't feel anxiety anymore after that i was just like oh (laughs) cool (laughs) (laughs) oh it's normal okay cool like here it is and then finally when i accepted it whatever long story short but Basically, I realized that sometimes people are in survival mode. They just don't, they don't know that they don't have to be. Mm -hmm. And everybody is doing their best in, you know, balancing their happiness with like responsibility with uh, your community, all that. And sometimes people first don't know that they're on survival mode. Like I didn't know. And two, sometimes they don't know that you have the option to not be. Yeah, and then it's so interesting how there may be t- like periods of time in your life where you have the like privilege to be able to take it easier, mm-hmm. but then there's certain like things that you can submit yourself to that can like reignite that survival mode, mm-hmm. can put mm-hmm. you right back in it. Oh yeah, and there are certain like things that come to mind with that like there are certain like intimate relationships that you can get into that can very much like re-trigger like that behavioral cycle and oh yeah and, and like true. it's really hard to heal a wound in the environment that it was kind of caused or in the in the environment that it kind of like gets reopened that's interesting it's interesting because sometimes life will give you that, like right. you said, like a reoccurring because you just meant to heal maybe from from it. You were mm-hmm. meant to like not let it like control or you, or, it. you know. Yeah, sometimes it's even to experience it deeper, like things huh. that you things that you thought you healed from, like come back, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, maybe not as much as I thought. So sometimes, I think that that happens maybe. For different reasons, but like possibly because you were distracted or um, you didn't have the set of experiences that mm-hmm. you had until now mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely found that choosing to do a PhD program has definitely like triggered a sense of survival mode here and there. It's high stress. I think that sometimes, you know, 
in people's careers like at certain stages like when you're new mm-hmm. to a company and you're trying mm-hmm. to like grow within it like there's a lot of things with within the structures of our society that are kind of like built to overwhelm us and put us in that survival mode because I mean at the end of the day we live in a patriarchal capitalistic mm-hmm. society that you know values that sense of like perfectionism and that mm-hmm. hustle like you were yeah, saying yeah so yeah like it's it's not the norm to allow yourself to relax it's almost like oh my god like i'm in survival mode because um there's a lack of resources mm-hmm. or at least mm-hmm. it feels that way sometimes yeah oh my god well we're running out of time so i just wanted to ask you one more thing okay I know that grief has been a big part of your life and uh, a lot of people go through it. Everybody goes through it. What would you say to someone, I guess, you know, an advice for someone that's that's experiencing this right now? Hmm. Allow yourself the risk of opening up to others. It's not easy, but it's so worth it. I really think that it's valid that sometimes you feel like taking that risk will end you, will be the end of you. But there is so much like rewiring to do, I would say, in terms of like your story and how you view it Mm -hmm. and how you tell it. And I think that getting to a point where you can view your story with gratitude and appreciation despite pain or suffering Mm -hmm. is one of the most healing things you can experience and I think at the end of the day we have one shot at this right perhaps there are multiple lives I do believe in that but I think right now what matters is the current uh, life that you are experiencing and to make the most out of it um, is I think the point so I would say that taking the risk or being as brave as you can be is one of the most radical things you could do with your life because I think doing that and leading your life in that way helps set an example for others to do that more as well beautiful thank you thank you so much for being here today thank you for having me